you're making the most of three of the last five years of Luca's contract, which is essential. We cannot waste that time. Mark Cuban, you're very welcome to, as long as you credit us, of course. And like we said, we don't know how long the window is, so, you know, get to work. Mark Cuban's like, shut up, you idiots. Yeah, he'll be in the comments on his burner accounts giving us good old roasting. (laughs) I wonder how many burners the great man's got. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) Welcome the Basketball Forever podcast. I'm Nick Jungfer, as always. I'm with Alex Sumsky, a man who hoops better on one leg than two. True. <laughs> can you confirm? I can confirm. It's funny. I think when I did my ACL, it like took all the pressure off. And there was no, no one had any expectations of my capabilities as a, as a one-legged man. <laughs> and then going out on the court with sort of that lack of pressure and that freedom... It was just a straight bucket after that. <laughs> yeah, the week before surgery, it was like, well, everything's already ripped up in there. Actually, you, there yeah. was nothing left to damage, so you just went out on one leg, and it was the best game you had all season. You, it was just one-legged Dirk, and yeah, <laughs> surgery. Surgery was the next day, and I thought, well, I've done everything I could possibly do to it. What harm could no defense and some one-legged threes do? And then next thing you know, I got twenty-five points. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was quite quite a sight. It's one of my favorite social basketball memories, but couldn't repeat it. No. No one wants to hear too much more about our social hoops. No. Um, if we can dig up footage, we'll, we'll show that one week. But anyway, yeah. um, what I do want to talk about is the Mavs. You've got Luca and you've got some great complimentary pieces. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're going to be really solid, really dangerous. Mm. I still don't think that they're going to be proper, like, championship contention. I think they can mm. always go... If you've got Luca, I... It doesn't shock me if you're going very close, but I don't think they're quite getting over the hump. Is that yeah. fair? I, I think you're pretty fair with that one. I mean, Luke is obviously a generational talent. Uh, I mean, he's top of the MVP ladder as of right now. Um, just incredible. But you're right. Like the Mavs are a little bit, you know, undermanned, I'd say, uh, compared to some of the other like top contending teams in the league right now. Uh, and I think it's going to be really hard I, to to compete for a championship, like you said. Uh, I, they are a victim of circumstance, the Mavs a little bit. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Luca got a lot better than anyone could have possibly imagined uh, really, really quickly. And it sort of left the Mavs in this like tight spot of not knowing, of, of you know, not being resourced enough as a team to be able to, you know, put together put together like a title contending team, like clear cut. Uh, right. But, you know, something that I was talking about sort of yesterday with uh, Sean was the fact that you don't know how small your window is. Mm. Luca is incredible now and everyone thinks, oh, well, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. I mean, we don't really know that. I think the biggest mistake the teams make is that they overestimate how big their window is. I think like the Warriors are a victim of that from like last year. I think there's lots of, like the Lakers, there's a bunch of different teams that that mm-hmm. over the course of history that overestimated that window. Uh, and I think teams overestimate all franchises, you know, overestimate when, uh, or aren't even underestimate in some instances, like when a player's prime is going to be and how long that prime is. And when they're going to be like peaking versus on the come down. And you really have no idea where Luca is on that scale. 
No, just because if you rise really quickly early in your career, it doesn't always follow that exponential path. No way. Upwards. Yeah. And I, um, and I think a lot of teams can fall into that trap really easily. And you, as you alluded to, you just never know mm. what's going to happen. A severe injury, uh, anything can happen. Mm. Unexpected stuff happens all the time. Remember when we thought uh, that that young OKC team, oh, they went to the finals and they're only so young. They're going to be back here every year. They're going to dominate the decade. Mm from 2012 onwards um look how that worked out i I've, i kind of feel like that's a interesting example because i think you could make the counter argument that they hadn't peaked in terms of like talent i mean those three players went from you know a, a, an athletic point guard a scoring title dude and a six man to three MVPs. Oh, they definitely hadn't peaked in talent. Mm. So from that side of it, there was plenty more to come. Yeah. But that's this more speaks to the second point is that you just never know what's going to happen. No, you Whether don't. you can pay everyone, that was their concern in that situation. Yeah, you're right. That comes into um, consideration for that window it, conversation. The, the, the broader point is there are no guarantees. Mm. And so I think that speaks all back to what you're saying. Completely, yeah. You're is right. that the Mavs can't assume uh, that no. they have five years to figure it out? No, and I, I think you know we were talking about this sort of. Um, I mean, this has been a conversation we've had over the last sort of six, seven days in the office with everyone. Yeah, and it's sort of been a a group discussion, and I I thought it would make sense to bring this to the podcast and, you know, put it out there to the people and see what they think. But Right. It really is just an extension of what we chat about. It is. I mean, work, this, is, this, it? this is really just a bit of a behind the scenes on, you know, some of the things that are, it's some, really difficult to sort of post about this. Some of our more educated yeah. chats, we tend not to bring the complete nonsense in here. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and this could go over, I mean... A lot of people might think that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people might think this is like really far-fetched. It's just easier to sort of flesh it out in podcast form uh, yeah. than than anything else. But sort of what we were discussing, and I guess you're a little bit fresher to this take than perhaps everybody else because you were only introduced to it basically today. Um, but the idea that knowing where the maps are at and knowing the Mark Cuban way of how he built builds championship contenders and how he won his most recent championship of 2011 what what is the dna that needs to be constructed for this mavs team mm. in order to compete and then what's the fail safe if it doesn't work so this is how we were sort of thinking about it let's say the mavs sort of achieve you know first second round maybe they can luck out and make Western Conference Finals again um, in the playoffs, and then you know they they're not really competitive, you know, beyond that. And then it comes into the off season. Do they try and, or is this in the back of their mind? Are they going to put together a team of a similar DNA to that 2011 Mavs team that obviously won the championship? And if that doesn't work, does Mark Cuban, and this is a big if, because it's usually Mark Cuban's way or the highway when it comes to how to like run a, I, I would imagine any organization, but definitely an NBA franchise. Uh, is there scope for him to look at his opponent 
in the in the Miami Heat and say, who then obviously after that championship, like the Mavs sort of faded away quite aggressively and the Heat went on to back-to-back titles and then, you know, another finals run after that. Do they look at that and say, we try the Mark Cuban way, a one-and-done season, and if that doesn't work, we go the Pat Riley way that and build be, a super team? That'd be wild for Cuban to say, okay, the Cuban, firstly admit that the Cuban way, if it doesn't work, actually admit that. Yeah. And then adopt the all-in, big three, huge splash, Pat Riley way. Yeah. But it is fun to think about and to flesh out. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's just like have a look now. Like, how do you see, I mean, who who would you say are the, the most prominent, you know, players from that 2011 team uh, yeah. that we would need to be like, replicating in order to recreate that team well yeah we, we did NBA. a little did a little prep on this earlier mm. so obviously dirk the the focal point and you've already got your dirk in luca in luca yeah that's fair um we also had on that team there was jason kidd mm. tyson chandler yeah we had sean marion and deshaun tell me how my dirk taste stevenson <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> remember that shirt nice jordan nice. find that picture <laughs> that's good um and oh yeah, and Jason Terry actually played a fair bit more than Deshaun. Come, even though he came off the bench, he yeah. played starters minutes. Mm. Um, Berea, Haywood. Okay, right. That probably gives us enough for now. That yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so we thought about who could be, if we're following the same formula as mm. 2011, who fits the mold for each of those guys. Yes, and of course we need to be focusing on the players that are going to become available. In this yes. off season, yes, we haven't just is, plucked out anyone. We no. made sure they are available. Yes, and this is for 2023 because, like you said, we're assuming this year they don't quite get there. Yeah, 2023. Okay, okay. So we've got our Dirk in Luca, mm-hmm. the focal point. We, Jason Kidd. So we wanted a pass first guy. Yes, we and someone to take on floor general, a uh, a floor general role when Luca's sitting as well. Yeah, that's a big part of it mm. um, in those minutes that Luca's out and just to be a steady pass-first veteran yep. overall. Mm. We went with Ricky Rubio, yes. who actually is a veteran these days. It's crazy because he is so baby-faced and he came onto the scene so young, but mm. he's a veteran these days. Absolutely. He'll, he'll be healthy again by then. Yeah. That's our guy. What are we thinking, Tyson Chandler? Tyson Chandler, Al Horford. Okay. We'll be a free agent in time. Mm-hmm. We're going to lure him away. So we're need- Again, it's a defensive-focused, yeah. unselfish, not not so much. Um, we're not running plays for him offensively. And it's really funny that we refer to like Tyson Chandler as like the defensive anchor because I guess he was, particularly for that Dallas Mavericks team uh, in that playoffs and finals run. And we see like Horford taking on that role a little bit uh, in our version of the team. Um but it's so funny because then the following year he goes to the Knicks and I guess, you know, the Knicks became a, you know, much uh, an upgraded version of themselves and they were finally like playoff, playoffs bound and and Tyson Chandler ends up winning like Defensive Player of the Year that season when really that was just kind of like a legacy award for what he'd achieved with the Dallas Mavericks like championship run. Basically. Right. Yeah, we've talked about this with the um, MVP stuff last week where a particular award won't be for what you did that year. It was from mm. the year before. It's really... Yeah, I mean, he didn't finish that following season in like the top 10 in almost any defensive category at all. Right. He wasn't even 
first team all defense. I was about to say it was that year where he's not even in the first team and yet he's defensive player of the year. And it was only like four votes difference between him and Serge Ibaka. And then even, and then uh, uh, a, a smaller margin again for, you know, Serge Ibaka to Dwight Howard. So it was evenly spread. And, you know, Serge averaged like over three blocks a game. Yeah. Um, How can the NBA allow that to happen, really? The, that was the outrageous. guy to win the award who wasn't even in the first team. Yeah. But either way, we, we digress. A good old-fashioned David Stern veto might actually have been necessary then. That's the one time I actually won a veto. Yeah. So then we've got Sean Marion. Mm-hmm. That's um, an easy one. And we've already got Finney Smith for him. Yeah, perfect. That Swiss Army knife kind of dynamic wing player. Yeah. Uh, for Sean Stevenson, we've already got one for him. Reggie Bullock. Okay. He's already on the roster. We, he's, he'll be sticking around. Yeah. Uh, Who's your Jason Terry? Dinwiddie. Okay. Yeah. So Dinwiddie's there as that mm-hmm. punch off the – if he's coming off the bench on this team. Yep. Um, and and then Berea, I mean, we didn't – we weren't able to find someone who was four foot three like Berea. There's no exact <laughs> fit. But you got a Hardaway. I mean, Compazzo, how much does he look like? We actually thought Berea was back the other day. Yeah. Uh, watching Compazzo running court. around for the Mavs. He looked in a Mavs jersey. But yeah. anyway, uh, it won't be him. Mm. Um, we've slotted Hardaway Jr. into that role. Mm. Basically, some nice. instant offense. Nice. Yep. And then you've got, you obviously need like your another center. Um, right. And and Pirtle. We're going after big Jakob. Yeah. Pirtle. He becomes available. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, some potential wild cards. I, I mean, Josh Green's really developing into a great player at the moment. He's leading the league in three-point percentage. Um, and then if you need some more shooting uh, or, you know, uh, an additional option, Utah becomes available as well. <laughs> Utah, yeah, that might not be how you say it in Japanese, I but pro- yeah, <laughs> I, I would have uh, yeah. done a dishonor to his uh, pronunciation. There. Yes, yes, um, but yeah. So Josh Green and and Utah Watanabe, mm. um, not so much because they are exactly like someone from 2011, but yeah. we're filling out the roster with some of course some very handy addi- just some pieces additional pieces. Mm. Uh, yes, and that's like some crazy shooting there. Like you've, you've got knockdowns, abso- like two of the absolute best this year. Yeah, it's going to change. Um, well, it changes every day slightly, mm. but they've been right up around the top. Yeah, all season. So yeah, if we're to summarize and 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 sort of, I guess, spell it out uh, in like a practical sense, you're basically letting Wood and Powell walk in free agency, which I think makes. Uh, a lot of sense. I think Powell is becoming a bit of a non-factor player. Uh, there's not really any sort of tangible on-court contributions uh, really anymore for, from him. And if they're trying to get to that next level, he's, he's probably not that guy. Wood, uh, he's been super effective off the bench. And, you know, I think he's a great player. I think that he 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 doesn't, he's not that defensive anchor like Tyson Chandler was. Mm. So it doesn't make sense to keep him. And it doesn't make sense to keep him as a as a bench player either because I know that he is looking for that expanded role. Like he's already frustrated with the limited contributions that he has on the current Mavs team. So I think mm. if you let him walk and you're letting Powell walk in free agency, that opens up $25 million. And then from there, you're signing Horford to a one-year $10 million deal. You're signing Pirtle to a two-year $30 million deal. Uh, you sign, and then you're trading McGee to Cleveland for Rubio. 
which is just a straight up swap. They're both on three year, 17, 18 million dollar deals. And then we get Watanabe very cheap anyway. Yes. So the, financially, it's perfect. It works. It all, it all balances itself out like quite nicely. And then I think Pirtle and, and Horford, I mean, you could basically start Pirtle most of the season if you wanted and Horford backs up and then come playoffs and finals time, you you like alternate and like Horford's mm. maybe your starter, but Pirtle takes on more minutes. You know, who, who knows? You could you could do that both ways. Um, and uh, and I think that that is really kind of replicating that sort of 2011 championship DNA that, that the Dallas Mavericks were known for. Um, and then you can try and compete for a championship uh, on, on the basis that you've kind of tried to replicate that team. Mm. Uh, of course, now if that doesn't work. It's a, uh, it's an entirely different ball game. I think then, uh, you, you, you finish that season, you roll into the next and it becomes this open question. Well, like what's the next move? And I think the, 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 the big next move you could do is to be like, well, we tried the Cuban way. Let's go the Pat Riley way. It's big three season, baby. You go out and you make like a huge splash. And I think it's got to be a two-year plan. What do you need in terms of like a team like that? I mean, we've got, uh, let's say you've got your LeBron, Wade and Bosch as your big three. You need a Mario Chalmers and you need a Chris Anderson. We need Mario Chalmers so they have someone to yell at. Exactly. <laughs> um, Is that what you mean? You need you need a punching bag when things are, <laughs> things aren't working. Then... You need your Ray Allen, you need your Norris Cole, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, James Jones. So I guess sort of if you have a look and assume that uh, Luca is our LeBron James, we need to uh, initially recruit, I guess, your your Chris Bosch type. You're going for Bosch before Wade? I think so because I have a really interesting thought on who the Wade actually ends up being. Okay. And, and I don't think you can get them in year one. Right. So year one, I think you focus on signing Siakam. Yep. He's it becomes available in free agency. I think you need like that Chris Anderson type player, uh, someone that's going to, uh, you know, be able to rebound, block a couple of shots, perhaps get double-digit scoring efficiently from the field. Drummond, he's an easy one. Uh, he'd be looking to join a team that's contending for a championship. Um, and then I think you re-sign Dinwiddie in that first year. Now, the second year, 2025 off-season, who do you think becomes available that has previously won a championship like Wade and been a finals MVP in the past, but perhaps hasn't been able to you know, win it for the, you know, following years and would be the perfect player to pair up with Luca, LeBron. <laughs> Think. It's Giannis, isn't it? It's Giannis. <laughs> yeah. That's your guy. That's your Dwayne Wade. Because I, th- I originally thought you were going for, for Jokic, but then you're saying someone who's won a title. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need that championship experience, I think, in order to help get you over the hump. I don't know if, like, Nicola would be, a great addition to the team just because, you know, if you, you look at how Nicola allows Jamal Murray to cook, if you replace someone like, like Jamal Murray with Luca, that's an incredible dynamic. No doubt about it. Makes it a little bit more difficult that uh, 
Nicholas locked up until 27, 28 or whatever. It seems it is. like he'd be happy to just plug away in Denver for like, forever. He just wants to farm, man. He does not he's not looking to Yeah. He doesn't care about chips. Whereas Giannis is hungry and Luca's really hungry. Yeah, yeah. Um and the other thing you you know, you mentioned the championship experience that Giannis has. That's that is the key thing that makes him more of a a Wade mm. in terms of Wade bringing the championship experience to the Heat. Mm. Giannis does that for this a theoretical team, whereas obviously Jokic wouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, you've got your Luca, Giannis, and Siakam now. Luca's the LeBron prodigy who doesn't have a ring yet and needs some proper help. Yes. Yes. And then you've got Giannis, who's that Dwayne Wade, who's uh, been an incredible player, MVP caliber type player, who's finals MVP and a previous championship, who brings that pedigree to the team. And then uh, Siakam's like a kind of like a Chris Bosch figure in, in my view. Uh, and then also I think he's such a powerful player to have because if there's an injury to say Luca, uh, Siakam can so easily slip into that sort of playmaker role and, and fill that void. Um, or, and the same goes, if Giannis gets injured, then uh, Siakam can kind of take on more of a like a Giannis role too. He's capable of that. Yeah, we we've, see we've that. We've seen his, him do both exactly with his yeah. with his current usage. So that's your big three. What do you think the rest of the team should look like then, uh, if we're trying to mirror that big three? Okay. Uh, sorry, mirror that. Um, so we've that, got our whole starting team. five now. We don't we with Dinwiddie and Drummond rounding yeah. it out. So we've got Dinwiddie, Luca, Giannis, Siakam, and Drummond as your starting five. Yeah, and well, we we want to keep the two our two favorite guys mm. amongst all this, Yuta and Josh Green, right? Yeah, I think yeah. you still sign you, you still sign him and you still retain Josh Green. Absolutely, they're your knockdowns. That's your Ray Allen type. That's your Shane Battier type. They had so many guys like that. They had Allen Battier. And Mike Miller. Mm. Even a, oh, no, actually, no. I was going to say cheeky bit of James Jones, but he really was the cheerleader, wasn't he? He a little bit. He just followed LeBron around and collected rings. Anyway, um, oh, and Hardaway Jr. is the other sniper. Yeah, that's your Mike Miller. Yep. Mm. Okay, so we got three snipers off the bench. That'll be handy. Yeah. Um, now, did you have more guys you were slotting in here? I think, like... Well, that's the that's is that you'll, just the you'll, core you'll we're running? Run out of, I think you'll you have, only play eight guys. I mean, <laughs> in the playoffs, you'd need more people, right? But I think as a core group, yeah, they would be like the integral pieces. I think there's cap space consideration too. Have to crunch the numbers on on that two year plan, um, and and what would actually be available. But I think yeah, then that sort of becomes like a three year capitalization on this Luca window. And on the Giannis window, to be perfectly honest with you. Right. Uh, and then you're looking at it from, all right, year one, we, we uh, assume that we can only achieve so much this current season. Yeah. And then we go that first off-season coming up, this current off-season uh, ahead, you really take a stab at mirroring 2011 championship team. You build that ros- roster, as we sort of mentioned, with um, uh, like uh, Horford, Pirtle, uh, Rubio, you know, Luca, and you've still got your Finney Smith and you've still got your Bullock and you could try try and compete. Yeah. Uh, and then if that doesn't work and, you know, it, it just doesn't pan out the way that, you know, we would have hoped, bang, new off season, it's that two-year build 
of that, like, basically heat big three replica. Right. And you try and put together a super team to have a really, really good run at it. Uh, and I think, I can't think of a team that could possibly be putting you in a better position for success than a Siakam, Giannis, Luca big three. Right. And that has all-time potential. Yeah. I mean, Luca is the guy. He is the most, you know, with LeBron where it's like, we've got to do whatever we can to keep this guy. Mm. We've never seen a situation to that extent, like as much as that until now with Luca. Yeah. So you're you're running out of time then uh, to keep him. So it mm. makes sense to do something like to go the organic route first with the 2011 model. Then it's like, let's just swing for the fences. Yeah. And I can see Giannis actually um, going for it. Going for it. And it just seems like such a humble guy that, and bearing in mind, by the time we go the, the drastic big three, let's get Giannis route mm. is 2025 uh, slash 26. So Giannis is a bit older then. Mm. You know, he's much closer to, to 30 then. Um, and yeah, it's like, let me just get some more rings. And I think it's really interesting because <clears throat> I think Luca was asked about, you know, staying in Dallas recently. Did you see that quote? Not convincing answer, was it? It was pretty shaky. Like him saying, oh, well, you know, fans don't have to worry about that for five years. Like they shouldn't be worried about it or they shouldn't be thinking about just that. Just the way he said it. I can't tell. If maybe it was just his style, but oh, it wasn't. It wasn't convincing to mm. me. And I, what I took from that is, holy shit. Clock's think, ticking. Yeah, the clock is ticking. It really, you, you start considering your team's mortality basically and what's you know we come again coming back to that window that's yeah. that's like the window now so you may as well make the best use of three out of those five years with a plan like you know a plan like this because you know you could kind of criticize the you know the strategy and we just threw out a hypothetical here it's really easy to sort of pick that apart or oh, this that and the other i mean what other options are there like like seriously were name a better roster that you could construct than either of the ones that we just suggested. I mean, you could make tweaks for the 2011 one, sure. I mean, have a look at the free agency list yourself and you can decide what you think is possible. But I think it, whether you go with the 2011 model or you go with the big, uh, the big three, the Heat model, they're kind of the best available players that you could be pairing up. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I don't really know what you could be wanting or what you could hope for like what more could you possibly like what what is something different that you should be doing that you think's going to like have a you know end up in it with a better result yeah especially when you're sticking to who's actually available in free agency which is what we've done here yeah maybe you could pull off some crazy trade and get Jokic or someone else but again mm. Jokic Giannis they're both they're both amazing yeah it's one A and one B, and yeah. they alternate depending on what week it is. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that um, that's a really realistic strategy. I I think it's it's going to be hard for uh, that the juxtaposition of the two strategies is is so stark. Yeah, I I can't imagine a world in which the Dallas Mavericks like do something like that. But it, man, that would be true innovation in like NBA off-season landscape. Like that's a true hybrid model. Yeah. And and taking inspiration from like a, a nemesis, 
I think that's just, it's weirdly poetic and cool. Yeah, you know, they've said for a while the NBA is a, a copycat league and when mm. the um, everyone wanted to play like the Warriors, there's a certain point where you acknowledge, it's like maybe I am just the bigger man. Mm. It's, it's no sign of weakness to acknowledge someone else has f- figured it out uh, and what they're doing works mm. and I'm going to do the same thing. Because who do you even think are going to be like the best teams in the next three years? Well, that's... I don't feel well. Boston, sure. Th- that that's the thing. They got two really good young stars. Boston's one, but the Warriors are on shaky ground. I'm the, crossing the Warriors off. The Clippers, I never trust to have their main two guys healthy. Cross off. Who else? Exactly. Anyone that you feel great about? No one that I feel great about. I think like the Bucks, obviously. But if we're taking Giannis away from the Bucks, they're reduced to role players and Drew Holiday. If we take Giannis away, if we if we don't, it's going to be the Bucks and Boston. Is sure. There, who do we feel great at coming out of the West? That's, yes. Uh, not Phoenix without Chris Paul. No, and then surely he runs out of steam soon. And like, I guess maybe Memphis. Yeah. Um, maybe. But you're. I think a trade like sorry, an off season set of off season moves like these blows open the whole league, and I think Dallas Mavericks become absolute clear-cut favorites. Okay, so having mapped out how the future could look for Dallas, are you satisfied with our work and do you think the the people out there will be satisfied? Look, like I said before, I think it's as good an idea as any, really. It's like you're making the most of three of the last five years, basically, of, of Luca's contract. Which is essential. We cannot waste that time. Mark Cuban, you're very welcome to, as long as you credit us, of course. And like we said, we don't know how long the window is, so, you know, get to work. Mark Cuban's like, shut up, you idiots. Yeah, he's like, he'll be in the comments on his burner accounts giving us good old roasting. (laughs) I wonder how many burners the great man's got. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And as always, we want to hear what you guys have to say. So please do let us know in the comments and join us again next week. 